Hello, and welcome to Easy, Easy Bake, Bake Takes, Takes, the podcast where we read you the one-star reviews of your favorite movies and more. My name's Kat. And I'm Riley. And this is week five, four, f- five? Is this week five? This is, this is week four, because we've done four horror movies. No, this is five, then. We've already done four, so this is week five. Oh. Week five <laughs> of <laughs> Halloween Horror Marathon. And this week... I wanted to do a horror comedy. If you saw on our Instagram, you saw that the schedule said that I was going to do teeth. Um, we decided not to do teeth because... For obvious that's, reasons. That's a lot right now, okay? <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but I, I wanted to still do a horror comedy, so I picked The Cabin in the Woods, mm-hmm. which came out in 2012, is rated R, and is a cute little hour and 35 minutes long. So, the plot... In an underground laboratory. Oh, wait. Okay. Also, I want to add before. If you haven't seen this before and you don't know anything about it, go watch it first because that is the best way to watch this movie. Exactly. So go watch that and come back, please. Mm -hmm. Thank you. But for everybody else, in an underground laboratory, engineers Gary Sitterson and Steve Hadley discuss plans for a mysterious ritual after a similar operation in Stockholm has just ended in failure. American college students Dana Polk, Jules Loudon, Kurt Vaughn, Holden McRae, and Marty Mikowski are spending their weekend at Kurt's cousin's cabin in the forest. From the lab, Sitterson and Hadley remotely control the cabin and manipulate the students by intoxicating them with mind-altering drugs that have effects such as hindering rational thinking and increasing libido. The lab departments take bets on what kind of monster will attack the students and discuss the failures of international operations. In the cabin cellar, the group finds bizarre objects including the diary of Patience Buckner, a cabin resident abused by her sadistic family. Dana recites incantations from the diary and inadvertently summons the zombified Buckner family. Hadley releases pheromones to induce Kurt and Jules to have sex outside. They are attacked by zombies and Jules is decapitated while Kurt escapes. Marty discovers concealed surveillance equipment in his room before being dragged off by a zombie. The lab workers learn that the rite in Japan has also failed, meaning that the American rite is humanity's last hope. Kurt, Holden, and Dana attempt to escape in their RV, but Sitterson triggers a tunnel collapse to block them. Kurt attempts to jump a ravine on his motorcycle to seek help on the other side, but crashes into a force field and falls to his death. Holden and Dana realize that their experience is staged and controlled. As they try to escape in the RV, Holden is killed by a zombie, and Dana is attacked once the RV crashes into the lake. The lab employees, seeing that Dana is the only survivor, celebrate the success of the rite, but are interrupted by a call from the director revealing that Marty is still alive. Marty saves Dana and takes her to a hidden elevator he discovered. They descend into the lab and discover a large collection of different monsters locked in cages. Dana correlates them with the objects in the cabin's cellar and realizes that the objects determine which monsters are released. Cornered by security personnel, the pair release all the monsters which wreak havoc and slaughter the staff. Hadley is killed by a merman. (laughs) While Dana accidentally stabs Sitterson, who bleeds to death. Dana and Marty flee and discover an ancient temple where they are confronted by the director. She explains the worldwide annual rituals of human sacrifice are held to appease the ancient ones, a group of cruel subterranean deities. Each region has its own ritual, and the American ritual involves the sacrifice of five slasher film archetypes. The whore, Jules. The athlete, Kurt. The scholar, Holden. The fool, Marty. And the virgin. Dana. 
The order of the killings is arbitrary as long as the whore dies first and the virgin dies last or survives. The director urges Dana to kill Marty to complete the ritual and spare humanity as all other rituals had failed that year. Dana is about to, but is attacked by a werewolf. While Patience kills the director, Marty proceeds to kill all except Dana. Deciding that humanity is not worth saving at the price of human sacrifices, Dana apologizes to Marty for almost killing him and the two share a joint while waiting for their fate. The temple floor collapses and a giant hand emerges from the ground, destroying the facility and the cabin as the world ends. The end. Crazy movie. (laughs) It is. It is. And if you don't know that this is a comedy when you go into it, even better. Yes, yes. This movie was directed by Drew Goddard and written by Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon, who worked together on Cloverfield, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel. I love Cloverfield. And the cast is Kristen Connolly, Chris Hemsworth, Anna Hutchinson, Jesse Williams, Fran Kranz, Richard Jenkins, Bradley Whitford, Brian White, and most importantly, Sigourney Weaver. (laughs) Our star. The the star of my heart. (laughs) The tagline for this movie was, five friends go to a remote cabin in the woods. Bad things happen. Okay. (laughs) They kept it real vague. Yeah, they did. I like that, though. I'm glad there was no, like, surprises with that. Yeah, like the, that does happen. Yep. Mm-hmm. But the the first kill in the movie doesn't happen until about 44 minutes in. Oh. It's a long time in a horror movie to go without anyone dying. Yeah, definitely. I guess I can get into that when we do our thoughts, but I was just going to say it doesn't feel like it takes that long. No, because it's entertaining. It's really fun all the way through. Because it flips back and forth from the mm-hmm. lab to them too. like the time flows a little better. Yes. And like you're sitting there wondering like what's happening? Like what's really going on? Yeah. This is weird. It's not your traditional horror movie. Yeah, exactly. I didn't remember it starting with the lab. I don't know why I didn't remember that. I didn't remember that either. Yeah. Because I, I watched it so long ago the first time and I don't think you pick it up. I don't think you're really paying it much of attention. Yeah, because you don't know what the lab is yet. Yeah, you have you don't you don't have context for it. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. But the Evil Dead, nineteen eighty four, Resident Evil, uh, the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, and Cab- Cabin Fever and Saw are considered to be influences behind the film. And the Evil Dead one is very blatant. Yes, because the Evil Dead two is clearly also kind of a comedy. Oh. They get sillier. Have you seen the third one? No, I've only, I haven't even seen the first one. I've only seen the second one because we watched it in History of Horror. The first one is the darkest of the three. Makes sense. The second one is definitely, it knows what it is and they're just having fun with it. I love the second one. The second one's so fun. The third one is time travel. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to say it. Well, doesn't, well, doesn't the last one end with him time traveling? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So it picks up, it picks up from the time traveling. It picks up right after that. That's hilarious. It's bonkers. I totally watch it. That sounds insane. It's so much fun. I'll definitely watch that. I I knew there were other ones. I forgot that it ends with him time traveling. (laughs) It's hilarious. And I love Bruce Campbell. He's just fantastic well bruce campbell was considered to play the director so sigourney weaver's <gasps> role in this movie dang that would have been funny yeah and then also the film takes place in a cabin in the woods where most horror elements take place mm-hmm. and then campbell obviously is known for his role as ash williams in the evil dead franchise which primarily takes place in a cabin in the woods mm-hmm. the camper that the characters drive in the beginning when they're going to the cabin is a reference to the hills have eyes that's a 
dark movie. It is. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I no. just, I just that movie just gives me the willies. That make that movie makes my skin crawl. Mm-hmm. But the the coffee mug bong was fully functional, <laughs> and the prototype cost five thousand dollars to make. So you could actually use the coffee mug bong. Oh, I love that. And that's such like the fact that it collapses like that. That's insane that it actually works too. Like the ingeniousness of stoners <laughs> is. It's pretty impressive. Genuinely is. Mm-hmm. But like that's the whole thing with this character, I guess, is that he's like a really smart stoner. Yeah. But the failed rituals from the other countries are references to various classic horror movies, obviously, and the monsters in them. So the Kyoto ritual is a reference to the ring. Mm-hmm. The Buenos Aires ritual is a reference to King Kong. The Stockholm ritual is a reference to John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh. The Madrid reference appears to reference Dracula. And then the Latin that Dana reads from the diary is Dolor Supervivo Caro, Dolor Sublimus Caro, Dolor Igneo Animus. It means pain outlives the flesh, pain raises the flesh, pain ignites the spirit. Oh, so they're actual like words. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. And if anyone knows Latin and I said any of that wrong, that's too bad. <laughs> it's a dead language. Don't say anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> Leave that to yourself. <laughs> But the movie's opening was a deliberate attempt by the filmmakers Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon to confuse the audience and make them think they walked into the wrong movie. Yeah. Immediately after an early preview screening with fan Q&A, the first question director Drew Goddard was asked was, will there be a sequel? To which he responded, have you seen the ending to my movie? (laughs) The world ends, dude. No, of course not. What what sequel? The next civilization? (laughs) You could possibly make a prequel, possibly. I guess you could. It wouldn't have the same air. Yeah, I don't see the point. There wouldn't be a point. But among the various possible monsters on the control room whiteboard, one of them just is just listed as Kevin. <laughs> and <laughs> it's Kevin Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> Although Kevin is never seen in the tie-in book, The Cabin in the Woods, the official visual companion, co-writer Drew Goddard said that Kevin was meant to be a sweet-looking guy who seemed like he might work at Best Buy until he dismembers people. Kevin Jonas. (laughs) I love that. Oh my god. Okay, but the last trivia fact I have is that Jamie Lee Curtis was actually considered for Sigourney Weaver's role. That would have been good too. I think so too. I love Sigourney and I'm fine with her in the role that she plays but I, w- I would love to see bruce campbell be in that role yeah just as a horror fan that would have been just like a little cherry on top you know it would have and i think like as a horror fan jamie lee curtis would have been really good too yes mm-hmm. that would have been yeah oh yeah of course the, the final girl the yeah, final the girl fi- yeah exactly that actually would have mm-hmm. been really really cool like that would have like just tied it all yeah that would have been perfect that would have been perfect but that's all the trivia, so I'll pass it on to you. What did you think? I saw it years ago with my family, and I don't think we knew. We I don't think we knew. I don't. I don't think anyone who went to go see this movie knew what what exactly it was. Yeah, and I don't think it was marketed to like. No. Yeah. Everyone just thought it was going to be a messed up movie. Mm-hmm. I think we did know it was going to be like a little bit different. But when we watched it, we were confused, we were thrown off, and then we were like, "Oh my god, this is so smart! It's a great parody. It's great satire, and." It's just really smart. In a different way than like the scary movie movies. Like this is... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's really fun. This is a really fun movie. This is like different from the other horror movies we've talked about. Or I just like horror movies in general. It's not really horror. I mean, it is. You can argue it is. It's not a horror in its truest sense. Right. I guess. Yeah. It's more of like it has the gore and like there's scary stuff in it, but... 
Yeah. But in a parody context, so... Yeah, it's more comedy than horror. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's super fun. Mm-hmm. And I love this movie. It's very good. I hadn't seen it in years. <laughs> so when I went back to rewatch it, it was just, it's a good treat. You kind of forget about it. And then when someone brings it up, you're like, that was a good movie. It's one of those movies. I agree. I didn't see it when it came out. I didn't watch it until I took that history of horror class. Mm-hmm. This is one of those movies that I had no idea what it was about, had no idea anything about it. I th- honestly thought it was going to be like a paranormal movie because of the poster and stuff. Like I, I think in my mind, I confused it with the movie Last House on the Left. Mm, yeah. And then when I watched it, genuinely, like I'm not kidding, if you haven't seen it and like if you, do- if you know somebody who hasn't seen it and knows nothing about it, show them this movie because it will like the viewing experience of going in with nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's great for any movie, but like, especially a movie like this, you need to go in not knowing anything about it to truly enjoy everything about it. Absolutely. And so much fun to see that person watching it for the first time, realizing what it is, like what's going on. It's very fun. It's very different. As much cliches as they do, it's very unique. It is. It's its own thing. Yeah, like there's nothing else. I can't can't really say that there's much else like it. Mm -hmm. I think you could say like The Evil Dead 2 is kind of like along the lines. Mm -hmm. There's some movies that like kind of reach into like this satirical angle to horror, but like not like this. Not like this, no. Pretty, it's a smart movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain it, but the sincerity of it, like the parts that are serious doesn't feel cheesy. Mm Mm-mm everything plays well i agree i honestly don't have much to say about it personally same i just have a general good opinion of this movie honestly this is just one of those movies where like i'm not gonna pick little things out of it i'm just gonna tell you to watch it just go and watch it it's so much fun exactly you'll have a good time you will I'm good to move on if you are. Like, I know that's probably the shortest. (laughs) That was a little quick one, but... Yeah, but I genuinely, I was like watching it and I was like, I don't even know what to write down. Yeah, exactly. Because it would just be me listing the little bits, you know, like... Exactly. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to take away those. They're not going to be as funny when I say it, so... Yeah. So go see it. (laughs) It's hard to explain what's good about this movie without getting into like really detailed like analysis of it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that's going to be done in like the critics. So we can talk about it more there. Mm -hmm. If you love our opinion section, I'm sorry, it'll be short this week. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk more. We will. Don't worry. We'll keep talking. Yeah. We'll move on to the critics. They got a 92% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, nice. I really did have to dig to find people who disliked it. Yeah, not even just like dislike, just hated it. Oh, really? Yeah, there's one or two. But this first review is from IndieWire, written by Eric Kahn from 2012, who gave it a B plus and titled it, I guess they had watched it at South by Southwest. And so they said, Joss Whedon's scripted Cabin in the Woods turns B-movie meta into scary pop art. And they start with, quote, the deceptively simple tagline points to a movie with a lot to hide, end quote. Very true. They say that it ranks among one of the most wryly self-aware works of American pop culture entertainment in years. And so, but it also says that it, sometimes it's too clever for its own good. However, by successfully analyzing these tired formulas that they are critiquing in the movie, they give them new life. I never understand when they say sometimes this will be to anything. It'll be like, it's too clever for its own good. I never understand that. It, I think it's... In my mind, I read that when I see stuff like that. I know it's probably not to this extreme, but it just kind of gives me the same sentiment of saying like someone was sucking their own dick, Mm. going too hard on trying to be 
clever, I guess. Not that it tries too hard, but it's like, it's trying. It's too confident. It's too confident in how clever everything they're doing is, which like, I guess you could kind of say, sort of. Yeah. But they said that in the beginning, the goofy chemistry of the characters seems like if the Scooby-Doo gang wandered onto a B-movie set, and that comes up a lot, comparing them to Scooby-Doo. I was about to say, I thought of that too. That's what I thought. They just need a dog. Yeah, honestly. They mention how it parallels events from Evil Dead, and they say, quote, This much we know from the start. The survivors exist in an apparent rat maze subject to the whims of their mysterious captors, whose headquarters resemble the backstage control hub of the Truman Show. Constantly (laughs) dissecting the on-screen action, they sound more like neurotic screenwriters than mad scientists. If you've ever watched a crappy movie and wondered, who writes this shit? Look no further. It's these guys. End quote. Ooh, dang. Quote, horror purists will rejoice at this nugget of gospel. Despite the puppet master's genial matter, their elusive agenda eventually takes on an air of mischievousness. Even then, the scheming steals the show by satirizing the notion of pat storytelling methods by reducing them to office bureaucracy. End quote. Yeah, and that's the, I think, the cleverness of this movie. It's, it's... (laughs) To them, it's another day at the office. Exactly. Even this horror cabin where teens go and get murdered mm-hmm. is someone's job <laughs> someone's yeah. office job they're like don't talk to me until i've had my coffee <laughs> like they have like a yeah they had like so many departments do they had like an engineering department they yeah. had like an electric department like it's very funny it's so comical yeah. in, that, in that sense yeah. Like my favorite thing, like one of my favorite lines in this movie is at the end when Dana's just sitting there, she's like, I don't even think Kurt had a cousin. I don't think he has any cousins. I don't think he has any cousins. I love that. And then they say that the cabin cast is naive and underwhelms, but that's exactly the point. Yeah. And then they end with all's well that ends well and the cabin in the woods nearly gets there, arriving at a madcap finale in which the id of the genre excess explodes in glorious detail. But once Cabin in the Woods arrives at the big tell-all moment, it immediately becomes a lesser movie. The fun factor trumps its greater intentions and makes it hard to praise without the one thing it lacks, namely restraint. When it finally ends, Cabin in the Woods never shakes the sense that it's a deeply ridiculous parody of itself, and so its own worst critic, end quote. I could kind of see what they're saying, like the way it ends kind of makes it point the finger at itself. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. No. I don't, I don't mind the ending at all. I'm just glad, like, once it's the end, it's the end. It doesn't keep going on. Yeah. After that, because they could have made the mistake where they did that too early. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a bad thing to point the finger back at yourself. I think it just makes it that much more self-aware. Yeah, exactly. But this next one is just somebody who didn't like it. <laughs> okay. This is from The Spectator and was written by Deborah Ross in 2012. Uh, she titled it Routine Carnage. Says that this movie offers little in the surprise department and is insufferably dreary. Says, quote, it's a comic horror film. And although I do not like horror, comic, or otherwise, (laughs) it's the only major release this week. So I felt compelled, end quote. I think it's the funniest thing to say I hate comedy. I think anytime someone says that, I... I, I think that's the funny I think that's the funniest thing to say I hate comedy yeah, <laughs> I hate to laugh like, I feel like it's usually the kind of people who don't realize that there's comedy in everything in everything do you hate like fun yes do you get mad at kids when they're giggling like that's what I I think anyone who gen- genuinely says I hate comedy it is like oh what do you do then yeah what do you do what are what are you like <laughs> it just it's like it gives the energy of a, a really old teacher who never wanted to teach to begin with yeah 
and they're just constantly yelling at their class. It's so odd to me. I love how they said there's no surprises. What do you mean no surprises? You you predicted what was going to happen. You predicted all that. Yeah. Wow, you should write movies then. <laughs> <laughs> they also mentioned that they went to see it because it had a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I feel like they only wrote this review to bring that number down a little. Yeah, because they hate comedy. They hated how much it was they're succeeding. At fault. <laughs> they're at fault for that 3% that it went down. <laughs> They disagree with like the sentiments of all the other critics. Other critics were describing this movie as like a game changer. They described it as hilarious and frightening, but they disagree with all of that. And they criticize the fact that the girls are hot because the hot girls are always victims in horror, especially sa- slashers. It just seems like this person didn't realize that it was a satire. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming mo- what the rest is going to be is like they just didn't get it. Yeah. Because she knew it was a comedy. But they hate comedy, so they're not going to be... <laughs> yeah. They're incapable of getting it. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. That specific element, in her mind, that's not a critique. That's just an upholding of a standard. Yeah, exactly. They end this review with, quote, This is, I know, a self-aware film. Its cliches are parodies of horror cliches generally, but to subvert a form... It should, first and foremost, work as an entertainment, and it most surely does not. I don't think because I don't know enough about... I don't think it's because I don't know enough about the genre. I got screamed, didn't I? And as for the one surprise, a cameo at the end from someone who may or may not be Sigourney Weaver, I'll leave you guessing, it's purely so they have someone to blather on about appeasing the ancients while pretending the plot, which is a torturous mess, makes any sense at all, end quote. They hint towards appeasing something the whole time or stopping something the entire time well yeah they're always saying like well this like uh the guys downstairs yeah but they're like they're always saying like well this site failed in this country this site failed in this country they literally like there's a point where they're like america's our only hope yeah they're like we're banking on the japanese they said at one point yeah and it's constantly hinting they just didn't pay attention Yeah, but the next review is also negative and is from Esquire, written by Nick Pinkerton in 2012, titled The Horror Movie Dies Again. They mentioned that Drew Goddard described the film as a very loving hate letter to the horror genre, and they say, quote, The kids in Cabin have been unwittingly cast, a la Truman Show, as movie stars on the screens in Steve and Richard's control room. They're also stars in the filmmaker's own assassination of the horror genre, end quote. Twice they mentioned the Truman Show, which I think is very funny. I think this one also mentioned Scooby-Doo. Oh my god, it's so funny. (laughs) So they're saying, like, the directors and writers turn their back on the horror genre and are making fun of it? Is that what they're trying to say? Goddard himself described it as a loving hate letter. Like, they're critiquing it, but they have a lot of love and respect for the genre. Of course, of course. This person kind of clears that up a little bit, but I think this person sees it as, like, they're putting the nail in the coffin on, like the old ways of the horror genre or something. Hmm. They mentioned that the goal of this film is to blow up everything we know about horror that came before it. And Pinkerton says that the frustrations that they have with the horror genre, like the writer and director, aren't misdirected, but it's really about horror movies of 20 or more years ago that they're critiquing not like horror of the time, which I, I, that is true. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's about old slashers. Yeah. But though arguably those are like, very well known and classics some of them a lot of them classics especially the ones that we listed off that they were inspired by exactly like the the fact that the movie was inspired by a lot of those is exactly why they're critiquing those ones exactly they're the very famous well-known horror movies yeah and that's perfectly fine you can still like those movies 
and know what's really wrong about them. Yeah. That's you can absolutely do that. That's fine. I I think what they mean by saying that the frustrations are misdirected is I think that this person feels that it's kind of those are so old that it doesn't feel like it matters to critique them now, I guess is kind of what I'm getting from it. But like, you know, there's always room to talk about the issues with stuff from the past like that. That's how we learn and grow as a society. Exactly. And think about all those kids who are going to see those movies. They need a movie that critiques them in some way. This is definitely the genre that can critique stuff that's so old because it it's ingrained in just how the, the genre is built. Exactly. The genre is just building off what it's been, but like and reflecting what it is now, whatever it is at the time of society. That's why I'm kind of glad that I ended up going with this movie because yeah. I think it, it goes well with what we're doing, like this little marathon. Yeah, exactly. Good conversation about the genre, you know, brings up good conversation. Yeah, exactly. But they also compare the, the kids to Scooby-Doo Gang. <laughs> I love that. It's true. I get it. I saw it too. They say, quote, Cabin's careful manipulation, meanwhile, keeps us at bay from the spooks. Even going so far as to parody its filmmakers as men behind the curtain puppeteers who talk Hollywood bottom line, gotta keep the customer satisfied, while de-eroticized tips pop up in the air. Of course, self-awareness in American movies is as old as Buster Keaton's Sherlock Jr., but what we're dealing with here is the boorish postmodernism made famous in 90s in 90s by Wes Craven, Scream, New Nightmare, and on the more highbrow end, Michael Hynek's Funny Games, the former director extensively name-checked no less in the year's Popomo detention by music video vet Joseph Kahn, one of those prodigious talents who can do anything with a movie camera but probably shouldn't do anything end quote that was a lot of information that was a lot that was a lot of names that was a lot of talk about name dropping yeah <laughs> the the gist of it is that like this isn't a new idea to critique the genre that you're making a movie in doesn't mean it can't be done again and can't be done by different people and done in a different way. Who have different things to say. Who have different things to say. I'm sorry. I hate that complaint. I hate when someone goes, this isn't new. This isn't new. It's an issue when nothing's being added to it and it's just being rehashed. Exactly. But they, they mentioned that Cabin in the Woods is not imaginative enough to justify its existence. It doesn't seem like they believe that it's really adding anything to the conversation. Okay. So it doesn't justify it being made in their mind. Mm-hmm. But they say, quote, Cabin wants to invalidate one kind of horror, the bump in the woods, while reviving another, even older one, the atavistic, pre-Christian, evil gods barely held at bay from our reality, familiar to any reader of H.P. Lovecraft or any acquainted with Lovecraft's innumerable pop culture acolytes. Cabin's stoic waiting on the end of the world finale is straight from one of them, John Carpenter, end quote. This person loves to just name drop and talk about other stuff <laughs> a very pretentious way to critique this movie in my opinion it is and it's i'm really glad i'm not reading this <laughs> <laughs> but they also say quote once upon a time irony and a wink could exist in the same classical narrative rather than subsuming it whole now gimmickry rides high and solid middle range work is next to impossible to find a few loners like ty west house of the devil the innkeepers the innkeepers i remember oh sorry this is an aside i remember watching that movie with your mother and we got to the end of it and we were both like that why did we rent that nothing happens in that godforsaken movie i 
hate that movie. We're never doing Innkeeper. We're never. I'm okay with that. I don't want to watch that movie again. Quote, now gimmickry rides high and solid middle range work is next to impossible to find. A few loners like Ty West privately work out structural equations in what was once the fashion of the mainstream workaday filmmaker, while the Final Destination franchise offers the one certifiably original idea in the reissue repackage heap. Goddard and Whedon, aged 37 and 47 respectively, can be awfully entertaining as they send up the universal horror tropes of their youth in a turkey shoot, but that's all they're doing. Meanwhile, they've missed the opportunity to say anything about their contemporary rivals, which is understandable because in going there, they have to acknowledge that they're more like them than not, end quote. This is the point they've been making the whole time is that, you know, it's it's critiquing older horror. Mm-hmm. But personally, I think in 2012, I think they're too close in proximity to it to try and do a good job of critiquing the horror was at that time and they can do it with so much love because it's from their youth yeah exactly and i think it'd be a lot to try to do both stuff from the from the past and then contemporary stuff yeah and it'd be way more i think in my opinion way more complicated to do all that and i feel like the message or the the stuff that happens in the movie would have been, been really muddled. Yeah, you have to, it, this movie would be so all over the place if they tried to cover all of the bases. Yeah. With this person, I don't know, I could hardly focus on what they were saying because they were just talking about, it's all over the place. They were just talking, they were making the most references they could make. It got lost in it. Well, that, that's the thing. Usually, like, with mine, I try to, like, put what they said into, like, in my own words, usually. Right, right. But I could barely... You just had to directly quote them because, like, I don't even know what they're saying. (laughs) Yeah. But this next one is the last one I have from the critics, and it was a positive one. It's from Keith and the Movies, written by Keith Garlington in 2012, who gave it a 3.5 out of 4, I believe. Starting with, quote, I love a good horror movie, but there's no denying that the horror genre has been struggling and it and just isn't as strong as it used to be. We'll leave it to Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard to take the genre and turn it on its head and give it a good shake, end quote. They say that it is far from conventional, even though it starts out as conventional, and that Weeded and Goddard are setting the audience up for a horror comedy that ranges from satirical to critical of what the genre has become. They dabble in slasher, zombie, ghost stories, torture porn, and even creature features. They say that the kids are ones we've seen countless times. Um, And then this review was really um, dead set on not spoiling anything, so they don't go into a whole lot of detail. Okay. And they say, quote, But the movie does have a few issues that keep it from being a great film. The most glaring issue for me was the gaping plot holes scattered throughout the story. There were instances where the film changed course while leaving unfinished business behind. There are also a couple times where certain characters drop off the map. The ending also requires a very abrupt acceptance of what you're seeing. Don't get me wrong, it's a lot of fun and it will have you wanting to watch the movie again. But it's so out of the blue that when the- oh my god. That when the credits start to roll, you have to accept- what you've seen and just go with it end quote yeah i agree because it is yeah i agree but i don't i don't know about the unfinished business part because i'm not really remembering and i think that's the a little bit of an issue with this review is that they couldn't give too much detail exactly I'm, i might be forgetting but what happens to the guy who's like doing security or whatever at there for the scientists the two scientists in the room like swipes their ids when they come in and is like judging everyone for betting on it maybe that's what they're talking about yeah, because those are the those are the characters that kind of drop off, and like the woman who was at the beginning with them, and yeah, yeah. This movie does very much like just give you what it has, mm-hmm. and it do- it doesn't give you a whole lot of time while you're watching it to process what you're seeing. I guess you you have to you have to play catch up. You know, you gotta you just gotta roll with it. You do. You really just have to stick with it till it ends, mm-hmm. and then if you miss something, go rewatch it again. So exactly, yeah. 
They said that the biggest strength for this film was its humor. Quote, on the flip side, the movie isn't scary at all, which I found to be a bit disappointing. But then I asked myself if we did and Goddard cared if, I w if it was scary or not. In the end, this is one part homage and one part critique of a genre that has seen better days. Looking at the movie from that perspective makes it a very satisfying horror experience. And even though it stumbles with its storytelling in a few places, the undeniable freshness, good humor, and blood-soaked final act make it all worthwhile. End quote. I, I'm perfectly fine that it wasn't scary. And I like how they worded it. They were like explained that it's still a good horror experience even if it didn't scare you. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I was trying to say earlier. So yeah, I'm glad that they said that specifically. It's more about shifting your comfort level in some way than it is about scaring you. Exactly. But do you want to say anything else about the critic reviews before we move on? I don't want to go back to the ones I hated because just, I'm just going to rant about them. Yeah, that's fair. I think we've said enough about those ones too. <laughs> yeah. The first review I have is a 10 out of 10 from IMDb from 2017 titled A Slasher Movie for Those Who Hate Slasher Movies. I despise slasher horror. Halloween, can't stand it. Friday the 13th, hate it. Nightmare on Elm Street, better, but still not great. <laughs> They're all pretty okay. weird. All right. They're all pretty unimaginative. The characters are weak and there's no depth beyond, hey, watch these people get brutally slaughtered and you might see some boobs too. They're not wrong. <laughs> no. Kevin in the Woods in this case seems like a slasher movie that was specifically made for me. The characters are all nuanced. It mocks and deconstructs every single problem I have with the genre. And most gratifying of all, the film is so much deeper on a narrative and thematic level than even serious horror movies tend to go. It's simply a triumph. And if you're the kind of person who thinks they might hate it, watch it. It was made specifically for you. I like this one. This person got it. And I'm not a huge fan of slasher horror either. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I don't hate slashers. I don't hate it, but it's not my go-to. I understand when someone doesn't like it, and I think, hey, watch these people get brutally slaughtered. Maybe you'll see some boobs too. That's a, I understand how you have that perspective, and uh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's okay. You can say Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> you can say Texas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's okay. <laughs> Um, I really like this one. Very, mm -hmm. hey, if you think you'll hate it, give it a chance because it's not like, yeah. I like that. that. This is a good one. Yeah, I think so too. All of these pretty much except for the last positive one are from Letterboxd. Cool, cool. Okay, so three stars from Letterboxd from 2020. Don't be that friend that reads Latin when someone is telling you not to read the fucking Latin. <laughs> Literally, I will throw you to the zombies you just summoned and run the other way. True, very true. I would have been Marty. The whole time i'm like first of all let's get out of the basement stop touching things stop <laughs> pressing buttons stop reading books get out of the basement <laughs> yeah no kidding yeah can we all just hang out please can we not be weird and just somebody go make out with the wolf again come on <laughs> exactly exactly it's just uh yeah the next one is four stars from 2018 i wish i was as self-aware as this movie <laughs> <laughs> i love that <laughs> The next one, three and a half stars from 2018. My tolerance for this whole situation would be pretty low. I think like, A, I would not want to be at an abandoned cabin in the woods in the first place. And B, as soon as a trap door flies open by itself, I'd be out of there, throw Chris Hemsworth an open <laughs> invite to join me and run home to get under the covers and watch Mamma Mia too. Same. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah, I'm not, I, I love cabins. You know, I love a good cabin but mm -hmm. I'm not going to a secluded cabin. Yeah, in the middle of the woods. They went up in a mountain off the grid. No, I'm sorry. I've seen Evil Dead, okay? I've seen Evil Dead 2. I know what's gonna happen. There's gonna be a hand trying to kill me. Exactly. It's kind of like the descent where it's like, I wouldn't be there. I wouldn't be in that situation. 
you know you know what's easy to not be in that situation don't be in that situation stay home <laughs> i'm not gonna be in a cave ever <laughs> <laughs> three stars from letterbox 2018 95 minutes of blood-soaked fun drenched with irony and b-movie absurdity alike Possibly the most overt dis deconstruction of horror tropes since Scream. I don't think it's a bad thing, though. I don't know if they no. meant that as a bad thing. A lot of these that are giving it like three-ish stars, mm -hmm. I feel like it's just a principal thing. <laughs> They're like, I can't give it full five stars. Like, I, ga I gave, it's like I gave Citizen Kane five stars. I can't give this three stars. <laughs> I have to have some kind of like I have to have a standard. System. Yeah, there's yeah. got to be a standard put of like where I could put. Okay. All right. So I think that's what it is. Not necessarily their enjoyment, just how they would rank it among the movies they've seen. I that's guess. hilarious. I love that. Susie Kane's at five. This has <laughs> to be at least three. <laughs> that's hilarious. For me, this would probably rank higher than Citizen Kane because it's actually interesting. No, I do, I do not like that movie. It's just okay. It's boring. Every time he did stuff for that still lasts in the industry today. Okay, go for him. Good. Okay. There's better movies. <laughs> Someone took his ideas and made better movies. Cool. I will pioneer the, the hate campaign against that movie. Yeah. It's kind of fun knowing how many guys out there are like, it's such a good movie. No, I, it's not. <laughs> this movie is better than Susie <laughs> <laughs> Next one, three and a half stars from 2020. They have the quote with Marty saying, okay, I draw the line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Don't do it. Then they say, uh, this movie was an interesting take on an increasingly formulaic genre, but at times it kind of became what it tried to parody. The first hour was mostly just a very cliche story with short moments of meta humor that didn't always work, but when it did, it was usually pretty good. The last 30 minutes was really the peak of the movie, where things got really crazy and the originality of the movie really started to show. The movie was not as clever as it thought. It was, but it was still a fun movie. Even though it wasn't that scary, it still handled the gore and comedy well, while doing a good job parodying the hot- the- oh my god. Oh my god, what, about, what is happening? <laughs> well- while doing a good job parodying the horror genre. If you expect a standard horror movie, you might be disappointed, but if you go in blind like I did, you are in for a unique experience. They went harder than the other ones, and this is like, what, three and a half? I, it went harder. Yeah, it was rated higher than the last one. Yeah, exactly, and they went harder in critiquing it. I don't necessarily agree with them. You sat there halfway, or like, I know where this is going. Really? Yeah. I doubt it. I hate when people try to say it wasn't it clever. It's pretty predictable. And I'm not saying that's what they're exactly saying, but them say it wasn't as clever as it thought. Everyone who says that, you're also not as clever as you think you are. Exactly. Because I don't believe you that you sat there and went, I know where this was going. I don't believe you. I don't think you did. And I think yeah. you're just mad that you couldn't. <laughs> I agree with you. But I do see where they're coming up with like the parts where you can see the originality of the movie instead of just like the critique of the other parts of the genre. Mm -hmm. That is a really good part of the movie. That's valid. But they are correct. Like we've been saying, you have to go into this blind. You do. You just have to. I agree with some of the things this person's saying, but I think it, I don't know, she feels a little pretentious. I don't, I don't know. When people critique satire, mm -hmm. they, you're always going to come off as pretentious in my mind. Exactly. Uh, it's very true. I just hate when they're like, it wasn't as clever as I thought it was. I don't know. Like it has to be really bad for me to agree with someone saying that. Exactly. And it's just like one of those things where like, you can say that, but you're not clever. You're not more clever for saying that than this movie. <laughs> but the next one is a half star from 2020 that says, this movie wasn't scary because I know how to solve a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> I love that. I love Letterbox. Who comments like that? But the next one, three stars, 2022. It's horror wasn't exactly the one I was expecting at all. 
And guess what? I was glad it was that way. Surreal and wacky while still extremely bloody, although at first it felt weird seeing a comedy tag for a movie with a spooky poster, I just liked how it played on the trite people in inhuman experiments for the greater good while bending a little bit of something self-deprecating. The Cabin in the Woods is both a pretty humorous and scary meta-horror that tries and wants to be fun unapologetically. So it says, I just liked how it played on the trite people in human in inhuman experience for the greater good is there another movie that's that's like that or rings a bell like that um the hunger games <laughs> okay all right okay that's you're not wrong <laughs> movies where someone's basically being put in a social experiment for something bigger than them but it's mm -hmm. inhuman to put them there in the first place i'm trying to think of a horror movie the human version of animal testing i guess i don't know yeah it's um I'm just trying to think of another horror movie that's like that because like they're kind of saying it like oh it's that trope i don't know if it's necessarily just horror I, that does that okay uh, okay that's fair then that's fine yeah i was just curious if there was like a big one that i was just forgetting yeah no i get i, I get that too i can't really think of any specific ones except for the hunger games, games is a good one <laughs> okay so the next one two stars from 2021 the third act chaos is super fun but in my opinion can't really make up for the grading writing of the whole thing it's so annoying when people like joss whedon try to clown on like evil dead or friday the 13th i'd like to see you make something that good nerd no interest in watching somebody look down on good movies and bring almost nothing new to the table oh you figured out there's a formula to horror movies nice man i'm glad you finally figured it out in 2012 this person's bitter Jeez. I guess some people didn't pick up on the, the loving critique of it part. I said it earlier. You are allowed to like these movies and still critique them. I don't know. I don't know what this person's issue is. They called them a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're mad that they made a movie that makes fun of horror movies form formulas Yeah. back in the day. They're mad that someone figured it out. Or not figured it out, but just like, I don't know, made a movie about it and made fun of it. They're just mad that this movie was, you know, but not merely making fun of. It's just satire, dude. It's okay. Yeah, it's not, it's not poor, it's not mean-spirited. It's not. They took it to heart. They took it to heart really bad. I was wondering if someone was going to do that. Yeah. And this person definitely did. They're, they're mad. <laughs> yeah. They sure are. Yeah. <laughs> the next one. Three and a half stars from 2019. That cabin was for sure in the woods. <laughs> nice. <laughs> true. 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 So true. <laughs> Three and a half stars, 2021. Count me as someone who really only likes the second half of this film, when it turns into an actual horror movie with some fun surprises. Before that, I understood the joke, but just wasn't laughing all that much. Which is odd, since the original Evil Dead is one of my favorite horror movies, so you'd think a parody of sorts to that film would be right up my alley. Problem there is parodies need to be funny, and everything presented felt too lazy for me to get into. I think I liked all the, the homage stuff a lot more on the first watch, but wasn't excited to sit through it this time around. Still, business picks up substantially towards the end, so I'm not going to fault the overall movie. What may go against popular opinion, but I think the final 15 or so minutes of the film are the strongest when there are some genuine stakes involved. And who knows, maybe when I watch again in 10 years, my mind will change on which part I enjoy more. And I'm curious as to why there was never any consideration for a sequel to this. How do you think this movie ends? Did you see the end? The world ends, dude. <laughs> I kind of get what they're saying about like how it's it's not you're not like laughing out loud. I get what they're saying and I'm not saying they're wrong for it. Yeah, there's a that's a valid criticism of it. Yeah, you just, you know, it is better the first time you watch it. It is cuz like 
you're overwhelmed with everything that's happening in it and like mm-hmm. the twist and i was excited to get to the second half of the movie more well that's when all the really cool stuff happens so i understand what they're saying i get it they're not wrong yeah i can't really fault anything they're saying mm-hmm. i respect that they don't fault the whole movie for the beginning too exactly exactly that i like i, I give that credit because a lot of people are like i watched five minutes of this movie i give it a one star <laughs> two stars <laughs> 2021 the truman show for slasher fans it should have jim carrey in it though <laughs> oh my god what if he was the director <laughs> again another great person that would have made a great cameo Mm-hmm. but honestly i'm kind of upset that jamie lee curtis didn't end up being the director that would have been so meta it would it, oh my god it would have been or bruce campbell either one but i think jamie yeah, lee curtis honestly. especially with the final girl thing that would have been absolutely perfect i think the bruce campbell one would have been really more cool than it would have been useful it would have been really fun for the fans out there yeah This next one is three stars from 2015. I must admit that as far as horror movies go, this is certainly different. Turning the genre on its head for laughs with more blood than an abattoir, this took a new approach in its quest to find an audience wanting something original. Directed by Drew Goddard and co-written by Joss Whedon, there was always going to be creative twists and they promised us something fresh. What we didn't expect was this, but it is certainly original. Satirical and undeniably funny in places, this poked fun at the usual horror staples and took an ingenious step forward in what we should expect from future horror films. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah, a lot of, like like you were saying, like there were some low star ones that actually just were talking about how good the movie was. Yeah, it it kind of bothers me, but I understand when... (laughs) When you give Citizen Kane five stars, you gotta you gotta yeah. reasonably place this one. I love that. That's <laughs> but it is funny. Like they don't have a bad thing to say about it. No, it's only three stars. This one is a two star review from 2012. So this is the oldest uh, letterbox review that we have for here. This film tries to put its tongue in its cheek so hard it has left a big gaping hole that should have been filled by a great film. Let me start off by saying that I actually like Whedon's work. Most of the stuff he's done is quite enjoyable. Here, however, he is at his worst. Every single twist, turn, and reveal felt like him screaming at me, Ha! Look at how clever I am! I am reinventing the entire genre! The problem with Whedon's script is that he has actually written two films. One, a rather funny, sometimes hilarious comedy. Two, a boring, generic horror film. Somewhere in between lies the idea of a great film, which is completely blown away by the fact that we get our noses rubbed in its unrelenting look at how meta I am scripting. What's left, then, is a constant hopping between boring horror scene to funny sketch, boring horror scene, funny sketch, which in the end makes it neither a successful comedy nor a groundbreaking horror film. In the entire film, there are some 15 minutes where it does work, and for those minutes, I give it two stars as I really enjoyed the hell out of that. Then again, maybe I shouldn't as that short period of time only reminds me of the great film I could have been watching. Oh, and if you're wondering what that moaning sound is at the end of the film, that's Mr. Lovecraft turning in his grave. I had a good time watching this. I had, I enjoyed this movie. It's an issue of expectation, too. Mm-hmm. I don't have the expectation that this is the most genius <laughs> critique of the horror genre and it's so hilarious, but I, do, I think it's a really good at what it's trying to do Mm -hmm. so i guess this person just took it way too seriously you're you're allowed to watch this and you know not like it that that's the thing but it's like yeah i I just didn't take it that seriously like i'm sitting there thinking like there's no way i would have thought this hard (laughs) i feel like it's a matter of taste too at that point you know like i don't see this as like a it's in your face the whole time thing but i i do think it's holding up a sign at least that's like this is critique this This is is satire satire. (laughs) 
that's fair. That's I, I understand with that. I don't know. This just feels like they would have liked this movie if it was a cult classic. Yes. If it was not as well known or did as well critically too or with audience members like and that's like no dig at this person and if you don't if it's not your cup of tea i guess whatever but cool whatever yeah i'm not gonna go to the grave defending this movie (laughs) that's the thing yeah exactly but the next one three stars from 2019 this movie tried to convince me that chris hemsworth is a college student and for that i will never forgive it (laughs) fair that's so fair fair critique (laughs) they all looked like they had a a sibling in college yes exactly (laughs) Three stars, also 2019. Mixed feelings. It was dumb at times, and sometimes it was so crazy and funny and enjoyable. It certainly got better towards the end. Some of the stuff that happened was so unpredictable, at least for me, it made everything so much more fun. The characters were cool and likable. I loved Marty. These weird twists and weird scenes. It's just that, unfortunately, it didn't start well, and it wasn't great in the middle. Some things are also left unexplained without a care in the world. At least it was fairly original and odd. It's like the last two, like the other two that we read, like where they like the latter half more and that Mm -hmm. there were some things that weren't finished or unfinished business. Yeah. I get that. Okay. That's fair. That's fine. Most of the reviews for this movie on Letterboxd were pretty positive. Mm Mm-hmm. Like if it was at most, it was just people saying the usual, you're not as clever as you think you are. Mm Mm-hmm. But anytime anyone for the most part, had something bad to say, it would be along these lines where it's like, but I still enjoyed parts of it. Like there was still something fun to it, even if it had structural issues. And that's fair. And maybe that's not the best. (laughs) Maybe it's not the best choice for commentary, but I don't know. It's just a perfect movie for what we're doing right now, I think. I think so too. And from what this person is saying, I enjoyed it probably way more than they did. I didn't have as many complaints, but I understand if you do. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not going to say those problems don't exist. Yeah, and I'll just I'll just say like I I see the issues people are bringing up and like some of them I agree with, some of them I don't necessarily see mm-hmm. as issues, but at the end of the day this isn't like my favorite movie ever or anything like that. It's just like I enjoy it every time I watch it. Exactly. Well, it's like you said in the last one it's like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fight this hard for that movie yeah i'm really but the last review i have is a positive review from imdb from 2015 that's titled perfection for horror fans if you are a fan of horror movies then you will love this movie i'm not talking about the i love horror fans who are talking about all the bullshit excuse of horror movies that get spoon fed to us week after week with the same goddamn thing we just got jump scare after jump scare the horror fan i'm referring to you know who you are you were there when myers kept us up at night not the shitty rob versions either oh nice you were there when freddie gave you nightmares when the thing not the remake made you wonder (laughs) who the person is next to you this is a horror movie to its core and knows it it takes every stereotype in horror films specifically slasher and pokes fun at it this is clearly created with love of the horror genre and any horror fan will pick up on its humor and love it it's not terrifying it is completely and utterly an unexpected horror comedy thrill ride to get slasher fans dopamine receptors firing off if you are a true horror film i think they forgot the word fan you will love this journey love this review not the remake not the remake you sound like plankton (laughs) when you said that not the remake (laughs) karen my computer was (laughs) 
I love it. I love it so much. I love this review. Very accurate. <laughs> I love that they loved it. Um, and they got it. You know, it's poking fun at the genre. Anyone who got butthurt about this movie, that's just what it's doing. It's just poking fun. It's not that serious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do like that they are like specifically you love these like silly slasher mm -hmm. movies so much. Like that's the kind of horror you love. I feel like that's a lot of 80s horror fans. Yes. I think you this movie is perfect for you. I agree with them. Yeah. Yeah. If you grew up watching all those movies that they just listed, like, yes, you were going to love the the satire it has on them. Yeah. Like if you are, you're going to love it. I think that it's kind of the opposite of the first 10 out of 10. If you remember, they were like, if you hate slashers, you'll love this. Yeah, it it is actually it is, but it's really funny. It services both sides. It, it does. It works both ways. They're both right. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what this person was saying too. Like you, mm -hmm. you love it, but you know what's wrong with it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's okay to acknowledge the faults in it. Mm -hmm. Perfectly fine. And you can still love it. Yeah. But what would you rate this movie out of ten? <laughs> so this isn't anything really stuck with me. Like if it, that's out of five. <laughs> Not saying so as a Kane. No, we need a different example. Uh, different example. The Shining. We'll say The Shining's okay. a five. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you were to say, like, your favorite movie is a five, where does this fall? Or your favorite movie is a 10 out of 10. Okay. Where does this fall in that, that ranking for you? I want to say a seven, but it might deserve more. I pick seven because that's such a good... I feel like that's a solid, like, B plus. Yeah, and it, it's enjoyable. Very enjoyable, very fun. I'll, if someone wants to watch it, let's put it on. Let's watch it. I'm perfectly fine with that. That's going to be a good time. Yeah, but like, is it my favorite movie ever? No, no, but it is fun. It's a good, enjoyable yeah. movie. I guess I would give it a seven. <laughs> Maybe more. I don't know. I, th I was going to say like six out of ten. Oh, okay. But only because like I do, I, like, I enjoy it every time I watch it, but it's mm -hmm. never a movie I choose to put on. Mm -hmm. But if someone was watching it, I, would, I wouldn't have any complaints, oh, like, yeah, if someone yeah. picked the movie, you know? So I think I'm going to stick with six. Mm, I think six. Okay. okay I, I, all right. I'm going to stick with my seven. I think that's a solid rating. Mm -hmm. Like, a seven's, like, good. Like, it's a good yeah. movie. Yeah. It's, it does its job. Mm-hmm. But it just is, it's not, like, groundbreakingly good or anything. Yeah. When it, it's not going to be one of my top favorites, but, <laughs> yeah. It's no Jurassic Park. Okay? It's no Jurassic Park. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Is that the movie you pictured me, like, rating against it? I, th I think that's one of the few movies you've given a 10 out of 10. Is it? <laughs> that's hilarious. I love it. It's no core line, okay? It's no core line, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, honestly. But yeah, so 7 out of 10 for you, 6 out of 10 for me. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you want to say? No, I think, I, I think I've said my thoughts about this movie. Okay. So... If you want to suggest a movie to us or you want to give us any feedback or critiques or you have any general gripes or memes to send us, you can DM us on Instagram at Easy Bake Takes. We also have a TikTok at Easy Bake Takes, our website with all our transcripts of all the episodes and where you can also listen to our episodes on our website is EasyBakeTakesPodcast.com. And wherever you listen, be sure to leave us a review or a rating and follow us because it really helps us out. And thank you so much for listening. My name is Kat. And I'm Riley. This has been Easy Big Takes. Easy watching out there. Bye. Bye.